My name is Erin Kenny. I am a registered dietitian, holistic cannabis practitioner, and master of nutrition science. Welcome to my podcast, Nutrition Rewired, where I share cutting-edge, practical advice to improve your health and debunk myths to help you rewire the way you think about nutrition and wellness. So today I'm going to be talking about COVID-19 and the gastrointestinal system because I've been getting so many messages from people who have been saying I had COVID and my digestive system has not been the same ever since. Or maybe you're listening and you're like, what? I didn't even put the two and two together. I had COVID. I've had reflux ever since. I've been nauseous ever since. Or my bowel movements have just been totally out of whack. I'm going to focus on that and post-infectious IBS is what we call it. I'm also just going to talk about COVID in general and some of the different hypotheses of why we're potentially seeing COVID long haulers. And towards the end, of course, I'm going to give you the hopeful part of the episode where there are some things that you can start doing to implement in your diet to support your gut and to support your overall body if you have been struggling. COVID-19 has been thought of as a respiratory illness, but it does involve many systems of the body, including the gastrointestinal tract. Now, many people based on research, have reported symptoms, gastrointestinal symptoms after infection. In fact, one study showed that 40% of patients reported new digestive symptoms after infection with COVID-19. I've talked about this in the previous episode with Dr. Galland, who specializes in COVID-19 and the microbiome, about how this virus actually binds to what is known as the ACE2 receptors, And these receptors are highly expressed in the intestinal epithelium. So these receptors, they're present in our lungs, but they're also highly prevalent in the small intestine of our digestive tract. Some common digestive symptoms, and maybe you've experienced this or you've heard of other people who have, include things like abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and anorexia. But the the infection can really present itself in so many different ways, making it really hard to parse through where are these symptoms coming from. I know personally when I had COVID, I my initial reaction that I had to the virus was that I had digestive symptoms. I had no sign of respiratory illness whatsoever. I just had changes in my bowel movements. I was kind of constipated. And I actually had this like weird attack in my digestive tract that happened to me in the middle of the night before I woke up feeling even more sick. So for me, it seems as if COVID really likes to target my digestive tract. And it didn't last very long, but I did notice this short-term impact. I was lucky. I, I would say my gut is really healthy now. I don't have any lingering effects. I plan to do a stool test in a few months uh, just to make sure that everything looks okay. But there are many people out there who are still struggling with these symptoms that aren't just there during COVID but are lasting long after infection. Research actually shows that the SARS-CoV-2 RNA was found in the feces at four months after diagnosis and shed at seven months. So that's 
pretty crazy when you think about it, that they were able to detect SARS-CoV-2 in stool samples up to seven months after infection. So this is why when I when I hear from patients about, you know, these types of symptoms long after infection or who have these new symptoms and I'll ask them, you know, did you have COVID in the past six to seven months? And, you know, maybe trying to make some associations. But some part of that is just helpful to know that for some people, it might just take them longer to clear the virus. It might take them longer based on several different factors. We know that having a healthy gut microbiome is really important for severity of COVID, for our immune function, for inflammation. So it could be that in certain individuals, we might see it linger a little bit longer based on so many different factors that we can only speculate at this time. Patients with COVID-19 in research were also shown to have higher amounts of opportunistic pathogens and lower abundance of the beneficial bacteria. Now, this is kind of like a chicken or the egg type of situation. Did they get COVID and that altered their microbiome in a negative way? Or did they have a not so great microbiome and that made them higher risk? and more easily infected from a gastrointestinal standpoint. So we don't really know. There's so much that we're going to hopefully continue to see in the research, but we know that the microbiome is definitely involved in some way. So what this means is that when I'm working with a patient who has had um, symptoms that have either gotten worse or new symptoms related to a viral infection, we're always going to start with the microbiome. So this might be starting with a stool test. I use microbiome testing in my practice. So we might be looking for opportunistic bacteria that have overgrown. We might be looking at commensal bacteria that are less than optimal and making sure that there's not already pre-existing things like SIBO or candida that we also need to address so that our immune function in our gut is enhanced and really ready to take on whatever we're about to do in terms of support. Diversifying the diet is number one. You should be trying to consume as many different colorful plant foods on a regular daily basis. So things like reds, oranges, greens, all of these different colors. Try to consume at least three to four servings of vegetables per day. In addition to that, we really want to think about inflammation when it comes to post-viral syndrome. So inflammation is um, something that can wreak havoc on every system of your body, but especially your microbiome. Foods to include would be things like omega-3 fats, so high-fat fish like salmon, sardines, mackerel, herring. These are all fantastic sources of omega-3 fats. You can also include plant sources of omega-3s, chia seed, flaxseed, walnuts. You could also consider taking a supplement as well. Research shows that Omega-3 fats actually improve the diversity of the microbiome and help to reduce inflammation. Number two or three, I'm not really sure what it is at this point, is that we really want to boost beneficial bacteria in the gut. By, by eating more fruits and vegetables, we're going to be doing that because we're, we're eating fiber. And fiber feeds the bacteria in the gut to help it thrive and stay healthy. But in addition to that, we would probably want to start adding in some fermented foods. And fermented foods are foods like sauerkraut, kimchi, kombucha, kefir, yogurts. These are foods that contain live active bacteria known as 
probiotics. And we might consider a supplement in this situation because supplements can be more targeted and dosed in, a, in accordance with a patient's symptoms and microbiome results. But fermented foods are a really great place to start, and they're typically fairly cheap depending on the type of product that you're purchasing. It's important to note that fermented foods are not for everyone. Some people that have symptoms uh, related to histamine or mast cell activation might find that, that these types of foods actually make them feel worse. So listen to your body, and you know if you're working with a practitioner, they can help kind of walk you through this. In addition to those things that I just mentioned, also thinking about how you can add more polyphenols and flavonoids to your diet. These are found in abundance in plant-based foods. So think of things like ginger and turmeric, extra virgin olive oil, nuts and seeds, and again, every fruit and vegetable under the sun. So that's gut support. We're really going to want to prioritize all of those things from a dietary and supplement perspective. And in addition to that, the lifestyle stuff is going to be really important. So we're going to want to be focusing on getting enough sleep, getting the right amount of exercise, especially if you're struggling with some respiratory residual symptoms, then we're absolutely not going to push ourselves into high intensity activity. But moving on a regular basis, getting enough sleep, drinking plenty of water might seem very simple, but if you are dehydrated, you're creating an environment in the gut that is more favorable for bad or opportunistic bacteria to overgrow. So stay nice and hydrated. Make sure that you are practicing stress reduction, reducing your screen time, reducing your alcohol consumption, chucking your vape far, far away. Could do a whole episode on how bad those things are, but really focusing on lifestyle as well. So that's the microbiome side of things. And then we also have theories that are indicating that maybe the person that, you know, had this COVID infection might have also had autoimmune disease or other, you know, comorbidities like heart disease, COPD, they may have had diabetes, and these are all inflammatory states. That's what they all have in common. And if the person who gets a, a viral infection that creates more inflammation on top of a pre-existing condition, of course, that's just the perfect storm. So with those types of patients, we might be doing some additional lab testing to look at, you know, is the thyroid being affected? Do we need a TSH, T3, T4, TPO antibodies? We might do an ANA to look at autoimmune disease. We might be looking at lupus. So we're looking to see if this immune dysregulation may have been exacerbated or worsened by COVID and see if there's specific areas or organs of the body that we might need to support. And then we also have this, uh, I mentioned the mast cell activation theory. So this theory involves a chain reaction of cellular physiology. Evidence suggests that COVID-19 can actually cause abnormal triggering of mast cells, which is the first line of immune defense. So for those with mast cell activation syndrome, this causes the immune system to act erratically and make this person even sicker. And this process can also be linked to depletion of NAD+, which is a coenzyme that helps metabolic enzymes work efficiently. And when we deplete this NAD+, it can further impair different cellular processes and mast cell function. 
mast cell activation is an entirely separate episode, but when there is dysfunction in mast cells, we're looking at things like vitamin D status, we're looking at hormone balance, you need progesterone to effectively clear histamines from the diet, and we're looking at the diet itself as well. Are you consuming lots of smoked and cured meats, pickled foods, canned meats, you know, leftovers, alcohol, all of those foods that would basically make your symptoms worse temporarily. So histamine is a is a very important discussion, which I have covered very much so in another episode. So that's another theory that we've seen in the research. We're also looking at um, this idea that the virus could actually remain dormant in the body long after the initial infection. So the virus might hide in the cells, it might reactivate under certain conditions, and additionally, there could be a viral RNA and protein that could linger even after the virus has left the body. And this isn't a new concept, right? We've seen this with the herpes virus, which is incredibly prevalent. Oftentimes, people see flare-ups during times of stress, poor immune function, they're not taking care of themselves, they have nutrient deficiencies, So when I work with these clients, uh, you know, when it comes to antiviral support, we're really, really addressing this from both food and supplement perspectives. So I love using probiotics, especially the Bacillus subtilis products. Uh, Spore-based probiotics are fantastic. I also love encouraging incorporation of things like turmeric and ginger, cinnamon, cloves, I make a smoothie that is so delicious. It has coconut water, oh no, sorry, coconut milk, banana, broccoli sprouts, a little cube of ginger and frozen pineapple. And then I'll usually toss in a little bit of broccoli sprouts as well. And it is so delicious. Turmeric, I think I just mentioned that one. Clove, black pepper, neem, peppermint, rosemary, garlic, fennel, basil, sage, oregano. These are all natural antiviral foods. And it's really not that difficult to find ways to incorporate them. You might just have to be a little bit more thoughtful when planning your meals. In addition to that, making sure that you have enough zinc. And before you run out and start taking a zinc supplement, it's really best to get your zinc from foods because supplementing with zinc long-term can actually create a copper deficiency. So foods rich in zinc, oysters are my absolute favorite, beef, pork, black-eyed peas, and pumpkin seeds. These are all excellent sources of zinc. The way that this works too, I think it's helpful to understand the science of it, is zinc actually helps to keep viruses from attaching to cells and helps prevent them from replicating. So start eating some of these foods, start incorporating some of these, um, you know, spices and herbs into your diet. You could also consider looking into different tincture, tinctures that are herbal, things like astragalus and sambucus. These are incredible for antiviral activity. And I help my clients find really high quality supplements so that they're taking the best of the best and they're not just loading up on a bunch of supplements blindly and actually potentially making themselves feel worse. So there's a lot of things we can do, right? We support the gut. We support the immune system. We really need to focus on our diet 
as a means to provide our body with the nutrients to do the things that it can naturally do. We don't give our bodies enough credit. Our body is always working for us. I want you to remember that. Our body is always working for us. So even when you're dealing with your digestive issues, when you're struggling in your health, know that everything your body is doing is it's trying so hard to fight it. So we need to do our best to try to stay positive, having a good community, having a group of people um, that can be there to say, hey, we're in this together. Here's the support you need. We're in some control of what we have here. And that could be a very powerful aspect of your healing. So with that being said, my January group starts in just a month. Oh my goodness, I can't believe we are right around the corner from 2023. And I'm really excited. We've already got three people signed up. Um, So we only have a few spots left. It's a very small group. But if you are ready to just really dial in on supporting your immune system, prioritizing gut health and hormone balance, and having unlimited access to me uh, for support and knowledge and resources to optimize your health. I want this to be your last stop shop. I don't want you to be doing fad diets or crazy restrictive exercise regimens or whatever it may be. I don't want that for you in the new year. I want you to start your slate um, in a sustainable way that supports your mental, your physical, and your spiritual health. So if you're interested in signing up for that, you can go to nutritionrewired.com. We would love for you to join us. And if you're not into the group setting, I will be taking new clients uh, one-on-one as well. Thanks for tuning in for today's episode. As always, don't forget to share the health.